Welcome to the Hallisey and Horn podcast, hosted by Matt Hallisey and Al Horn. This is the only entrepreneurial podcast that helps you take the most important step to finally achieving financial and personal freedom. What is that step? Well, it's the very next step you need to take. It doesn't matter whether you've started a business but aren't profitable, or you've only just now thought about starting a business for the first time. You can design your new life in just a short period of time. We both started multiple profitable businesses, and we're here to help you move closer to your goal of living the life that you've been dreaming of. The crazy thing is you don't need to be especially talented, experienced, smart, or even lucky to make this happen. You just have to take the first step that's in front of you. So grab a drink and join us while we discuss our own journeys from working for other people as employees to living our dream lifestyle as business owners. We share our successes, our failures, and the simple formula we've discovered to go from starting from nothing to having our own profitable business in just a short period of time. We're here to help you move closer to your goal of living the life that you've been dreaming of, but we're always scared to go after. Welcome to the Hallisey and Horn podcast. Um, I think that you had some bad mushrooms. <laughs> With my steak? Yeah, smothered in mushrooms. I would say maybe some bad mushrooms is probably probably what happened. No, actually, I think it is an illusion because uh, you know, there's multiple there's multiple illusions because you got to take into consideration that the fan is turning. That appears to be an illusion, and then it's being videoed, and then that's being transferred across the internet, and that's showing up on my screen. Is anything real? That's my opening question for you today, Matt. What is real? See, if we're going to get into this depth, I will tell you right now, I'll surprise you on this one. I am one of the people that would definitely believe that we are living in the Matrix. The movie? Where are the cameras? Well, well, no, the concept of it. Is, <laughs> it's definitely a simulation, I would say. What's a simulation of, though? What's it to simulate? You know, people, I'm not saying anything about you, Matt, but people make these statements, you know, like we're living in the matrix and I'm going, the matrix is a simulation. I go, a simulation of what? By who? Where? When? How? How is this happening? Well, it's the same question you just had. You just you just kind of made my point. It's the same question that Neo had in the Matrix. Oh no, I don't believe it. And finally, he was driving, getting driven down the street, and he's like, "That place has great noodles." And then he realized that's not real, is it? And they're like, "Well, they say that in China all the time. That place has great noodles." And then the other guy goes, "Not real, not real." Yeah, I will tell you this. If you go to an Italian restaurant and you say this place has really great noodles, the food sucks. Mm, okay. So that's well, my, I don't that's, know. That's, I think we're I think we hit a hard fork there. Um No, 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 no. I grew up with a bunch of Italian people and they'll tell you the same thing. Like if you get um Arabiata, you're not getting it for the for the noodles. If you're getting yeah. veal parmesana, you're not getting it for the noodles. Right. You know, noodles are very important. Noodles lasagna. are very important. Lasagna has the biggest noodles, and they'll never say, wow, this this noodle is amazing. No, it's what they put with it. I mean, that's what makes Italian great. 
I don't think so. I think it's the noodle. See, here's we here's what we have, uh, you know, a difference of opinion, Matt. I think the noodle makes the lasagna. I don't care how good the sauce is, how good the cheese is, how good the meat is. If the noodle sucks, it sucks. Well, and this is where I'll tell you that the, it's not that the noodle makes it great. It's the noodle can ruin it. Like you can take a really good um, pasta dish and have bad noodles bad noodles and it'll ruin it but it won't make it oh i see what you're saying so it'll ruin it but it won't make it great i i see that here we are this is a a matrix type issue you know about the noodles you know noodles are very important um and that being said i remember this one place we're gonna go right after the pandemic started (laughs) we're gonna we wanted to support local restaurants we're gonna order italian food from this one place for three plates it was like 97 bucks i'm like uh uh-uh. uh, no, 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 no pasta should be 97 Ouch. bucks. Yeah, mm. that's ridiculous. Well, it isn't if you pay it, it's not ridiculous. Did you pay it? No, I immediately abandoned cart, is what I did. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I did. I abandoned you're cart. a smart guy. I've, you, you are a smart guy. You did not get taken in by the matrix of Italian restaurants. And uh, that's that's a plus. That's in the plus column for you, my friend. Well, no. And I, I told my wife because she was like, why? I'm like, look, I grew up right next. Well, it was Little Italy where they actually had a real Little Italy. Like here we have a nice Little Italy where I grew mm. up was like mob Little Italy. And no, <laughs> that's a bad thing. Well, no, it means it's great. Like the restaurant we went to. Yeah, um, it's <clears throat> it was the mob headquarters. The building it was in was the mob headquarters of the city. And you mm. walked in the front door and it was basically, you know how like, I don't even know if they have those here, but like they have like um, duplexes where I grew up where it's like you walk into the front door and then you have this little like foyer area, small, and then there's like a door on each side, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like probably four feet, four to five feet on, on one side long. And then it was mm-hmm. just, you know, probably eight feet across. There was nothing there. You walk in the door, there's three walls. Three but what walls? you didn't see was they designed the door. The door didn't have jams. The door was just flush on the wall. Hmm. And to open the door, they literally, you know, you go to Home Depot and you get those little cheap copper, like screen door handles that look like a half moon almost. You mean when you have to go to Home Depot and you ask where something is and then they tell you it's over there and you go over there and it's not over there and then no, you buy it's actually it? No, the other way. Yeah. yeah, it's the other way, opposite way. Then then you buy it, then you take it home, find out it's not the right thing. So you return it and buy what you think is the right thing and you bring it back and you find out it's a piece of crap, that it, it is the right thing, but it doesn't work. And then you take it back again and look for something that does work and then you buy it and then you take it back and find out that you don't really know how to install it. So then you take it back again and hire a handyman. All right, so I'm not At sure if that Depot. was more George Carlin or Louis Black. That was <laughs> it's both. It's an angry George Carlin. Angry George Carlin. Well, anyway, so it, 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 you couldn't see it. So they screwed in this little handle, and you opened it, and you could not see the door. If you were standing there right now, and they didn't have that handle on it, you would not be able to tell there's a door there. So you walk through the door, and, this, and it, goes, it immediately goes downstairs into the basement. Yeah. There's no windows in the basement. They're all glass blocks. Okay, like, so but they'll let the light like, in, but they let the light sorta. in, but they're Have you ever seen glass blocks? Glass blocks sort of lets light in, but not really. I and like so it. I remember I was, 
I was down there, and this was in the mid '80s, so this was like before Goodfellas came out, <laughs> and it was just like the scene where Joe Pesci shot um, Spider's feet, right? So, anyway, so I asked my dad, I'm like, "Why do? Hey, Dad, what's up on the ground floor?" And he goes, "Shut up." <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, so I was talking to a guy who grew up in that neighborhood who actually was out here, right? Yeah. Totally random. I can't believe I had this conversation. He goes, and I didn't know it was the mob headquarters. He goes, yeah, it's the mob headquarters. When the Gambinos or the Bananos from New York would come out, they mm-hmm. have apartments on the second and third floor yeah. where they stay. And I yeah. said, I go, okay, well, that really doesn't surprise me. He goes, no, you know what's going to surprise you? He goes, every restaurant on that street it's on mayfield road in cleveland every restaurant on that street has a mob apartment in the back <laughs> the back of it every one of them so like you can't go every single place is is like the mob and all my yeah. friends were black right up they wouldn't set foot in that area yeah um so when i'm telling you that i grew up and you don't pay 30 bucks for a pasta dish first of all you don't pay 30 bucks for a pasta dish and secondly, the pasta is amazing in there. Like the bakery there was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Now it's crazy. Okay. Mm. So remember when they had the, this is, this is an aside. Remember when they had all this, the violence in the summer? Well, the only time violence ever broke out in Cleveland was <clears throat> um, these guys tried to break into, and this was the bakery. It was called Corbo's Bakery. They tried to break into the bakery and they had these three goonish looking dudes <laughs> out with shotguns out front. Yeah. Can and, I comment uh, on that when you're done? When you're done to explain sure, it, I sure. And it was on. like, and these were the these were the grandkids of the guy that founded it. Who I guarantee you, one hundred percent chance, the guy that founded it was the mob was probably one of the money runners for the mob. Of course. So, yeah. So his son had it because they're they're like they're not going to give it to the daughter. They're giving it to the son. The de- the grandfather passed it down to the son, and the son and the son was passing it down to the three of them. And they, those, those, those are three guys I can tell you. When I first saw their faces, I'm like, shotgun, no shotgun. I don't want any part of these. These dudes are going to fight dirty. But they literally were like pointing <laughs> shotguns at the guys that were trying to break in. The Antifa guys that were trying to break in. They had sawed off shotguns pointed yeah. right at their face. Yeah. And I'm like, these guys obviously did not grow up in this town. These guys came from out of town. Because anybody worth their salt understands that there's very, there's, I, if I pick five places you don't break into, one is Corbo's, and I don't know what the other four are. Because <laughs> this is the one place that you know that you don't break into. Second of all, what they don't realize is it's like stealing from the mob. You don't walk away. They're going to find you, and they're going to finish the job. It's personal. Yeah. No, it's like it's like I'm saying you steal from the mob. Remember, it's Good, personal. remember when Goodfellas when um when uh what is it? Joe Pesci's character killed um what is it? Somebody for uh what's his name? Farina, Dennis Farina's character. Because he was making fun of me. He's like, hey, Jimmy Shoeshine. Right? And then the mob eventually came back and got him. You try to break into a mob joint. Yeah. They're gonna fall, they're gonna find you. They will find you and they will. Oh heck you. yeah. Heck yeah. You know, and it was just like what they said in, um, in, it was just like what they said in Goodfellas. He's like, yeah, those guys from Providence, you tuned up. Well, they're hooked up. And they're going to come back here. 
and they're going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. And, like I said, and Leo's personal. character was like, yeah, Leo's character was like, there's something I can't handle. <laughs> you don't even understand these dudes. That was the place. So I'm not paying a hundred bucks for San Diego pasta. Like I grew up where like, even nowadays, like the best pasta in the city would be 15 bucks a plate. Yeah. And you're paying a lot for atmosphere, you know, Oh, I no, a, and the I, atmosphere wasn't great. And you're doing takeout. This was like when the restaurant shut down. So there's no atmosphere. Uh, I agree. Like, if you go to a place and it has really good atmosphere, that's fine. But if I'm going to pay 15 to 20 bucks for a plate of pasta in a mob joint, like, there's no reason to pay 35 bucks for 30, 35 bucks for pasta to takeout. Right. So, so let me just say this. Rant. Yes, and I and I appreciate that. And it's there's some good points. I, I don't know what that has to do with the matrix, but those are some good points. But let me just say this. I find it amazing that there's no crime in an area of the city that's controlled by the mob, which is in charge of the crime. So that's interesting. Okay. It's uh... no, there's no reported crime. See, that's the difference. <laughs> no, 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 that's exactly there is no reported crime. Right. Because first of all. I will tell you, at least where I grew up, a decent number of the police in Cleveland were Italian. The district attorney was a guy named Benny Bonanno, as in the Bonanno crime family. He was the Mm -hmm. district attorney when I grew up. Nice. So, yes, there's there's no reported crime. Oh, some guy got jacked in an alley in Little Italy. We're too busy. Right. Yeah, I love that scene uh, in The Bronx Tale. I love that movie, The Bronx Tale, um, where these bikers come into the mob bar, right? And they come in and they start talking shit. And the next thing you know, the guy goes and locks the door to the entrance to the bar. And the bikers are looking at each other like, why did he lock the door? And then they come out with these baseball bats and just beat the crap out of them. I love that scene. Love it. But anyway, that sounds about my right. question, my question re- with regard to the matrix, and then we'll start talking about some important stuff here. We always have a lead in here to kind of titillate the audience, but, or just talk about stuff that we <laughs> we'd like to talk about. But anyway, in the matrix, I have a question for you. In the Matrix, okay, and this is how my mind works, okay? He's offered the red pill or the blue pill, right? So my question is this. Why doesn't he take and eat both pills? Um, yeah, what would have happened? <laughs> oh, oh I, I, there's probably a big old long thing of side effects right like you see on those ads for the for the pharma big pharma you know if you take this it may cause anal leakage and uh, your brain might explode but it will solve your sniffling problem you know i mean if he had taken both pills he would have known about the matrix but he would also have lived a really cool life so i think it would have been the best of both worlds well, I think one of them was, didn't they say one of them was a placebo? No, no. One of them, he would go right back to the life he was. He would forget everything. He'd live an awesome life in the matrix, in the fantasy, in the illusion, whatever. 
He would go back to that. He'd never know anything. He'd never bust out of the matrix. But the other pill, he would find out what reality was. So you're choosing between a comfortable illusion and harsh, I mean, really harsh reality, okay? Now, is life a choice between a comfortable illusion or a really harsh reality? It doesn't seem to be because life seems to be a very harsh, uncomfortable illusion. <laughs> you don't, you can't, you don't get to choose between the two. You get both. And that's my point, Matt. Well, I don't think it has to be a nice, like in the Matrix, <clears throat> it was a nice illusion. You go back to your world and it's as if nothing ever happened. But I don't think the illusion here, I don't think that it's a nice illusion. I just think that it's an illusion. Yeah, well, it's a nice illusion for the 1% of the 1%, don't you think? True. Well, we are the one per, we're the one percent of the one percent. If you look, first of all, if you look at the globe, <laughs> um, I would say Americans <laughs> as a whole are probably top one percent. If you look at people in California, it's probably much, you know, a much smaller piece of that pie. And then mm. if you look historically, let's just say the last six hundred years, a thousand years even maybe, um, we have a better. We, I mean, it's top one one percent of one percent. I would say top oh one percent of 1% yeah. easily. Yeah. We have clean water. You know, I was watching this thing. They were talking about what was, um, what really led to women being freed to be able to work and do other things than mm. their traditional historical roles in society. And yes. they said, you know, what was the, you know, what really started most of it? No. The tampon. What? Infrastructure? Yeah. Oh, tampons, of course. Because women, like, they didn't have tampons. So it was like, they, you know, we always say they're on the rag. It, they all had a rag. And there's not really much you can do. And, but the tampon, they said that actually led more, more to women's mobility and ability to do more other things than, than really anything, anything else. And so people, they say, a lot of people, a people, a people movement or a political movement. Mm. Hold on one sec. Let me make sure... Are you fiddling with your connector again? I did. It's, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen, while you're fiddling with your connector, let me. So anyway, you can hear me. So we'll get this back up. Um, but they said that um, they said it was actually a tech. They, they, it wasn't attributable to a social movement in the 60s. It was a technology that was embedded in the 1920s. So. I would say that we, you know, as a whole, I think, you know, this is where I see the, the fallacy in a large event where people, when you get this whole 1% thing, and it's like, everything's relative to the people you want to compare yourself with. It's like, you could get somebody who right. is um, Michael Jordan, and he's, Michael Jordan's poor in comparison to Elon Musk. True. Like, not even close. So I like, agree. Well, if I want to, you know, you could say, well, he's, you know, he's poor compared to Elon Musk. And yet you have somebody. Yeah, but Elon Musk can't make a free throw from center court. I mean, he can't make a, he can't sink the, he can't sink the ball from center court. He couldn't Elon sink the ball Musk. from three feet away, probably. He grew South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> but I think a lot of it is like people, whenever they try to make a point statistically, they, they, they leave a lot on the table. Like <clears throat> even right now, there's a lot of people, there's in Washington, there's a debate over the $15 minimum wage, right? 
Well, $15 mm. in Sunnyvale, California is barely going to get you anything. I mean, you're still going to probably have to live with your parents or have 16 roommates. In Alabama, $15 an hour is above the median wage for the state. The median wage for the state in the state of Alabama is $14.32. So if they mandate you know, four, uh, $15, it's like, okay, that doesn't do a whole lot if you're living in San Mateo or in Sunnyvale. But if you're mm-hmm. living in Bessemer, Alabama, then you're going to be one of the more well-off people there, presuming that your company mm-hmm. stays there. Mm-hmm. So, right. I don't know. I, but I think, going back to the Matrix thing, I do think it's, I think there's a lot of it where, you know, if you look at it from, and you have a computing background, if you look at it as there's a grand programmer, so it's not designed for them to be able to see the program. Like, you're never going to be able to see it, but it runs the program and the intelligence of the programmer. Yeah, it, it, it begs the question, though, Listen, it begs the question, who's the programmer behind the programmer and who's the programmer behind that programmer? So it never ends. You can say there's a grand programming design, but something had to design that. So it's right. not uh, it's not a well, good, it's true. not an adequate solution. Right. And they've had these debates and they talk about the fact that there always has to be a first mover. Or what the first mover. Is the first mover, I forget what the term is for it. But it, there's not an endless thing where you're staring into two mirrors facing each other with an endless mirror. There has to be, mm. based on um, not only philosophy of physics, there has to be an original um, designer or maker or whatever. It, it, there has to be an origin point. So, but the whole idea is this: no. you won't know. You won't know. Like that's the whole point. Like <clears throat> if I, you know, if you create a video game, those characters don't know aren't aren't going to figure out who you are. So anyway, this philosophical point, you won't, no, none of us will know the answer until we're dead. Like, it just won't happen. I don't think we'll know the answer when we're dead. And then you might not even know the answer when you're dead, right? Right. So, yeah, so, but it's just, it's an interesting thing. So yeah, I'm, I'm, about, I'm, I'm, I talk about <clears throat> deep philosophical questions. I'm trying to figure out why the note, other notebook computer I have here on the desk keeps uh, dying. It just, it runs fine for a couple of days and then it, it's like it has an overheat problem. I think the fan is out or whatever. It runs fine and then all of a sudden, boom, it's, it's, it, it shuts word, itself off. It shuts itself off. Does it have the word Hewlett or Packard in the name? It has the word Toshiba satellite on it. Ah, I think Toshiba is Japanese for haha computer. <laughs> <laughs> It's an old one. It's old, you know. You got to, it's not brand new. So, but anyway, my, I like. My wife has a Toshiba, so I fully understand your. Right, right. But it does she bring moved up. moved over the, to a Mac. She moved to a Mac recently. So that's. Okay. I know. She drank the Kool Aid. That's fine. Um, you know, it does bring up the question, with, which is I'm going to use as a segue into our topic today. Okay. When you become dependent, on this technology, there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is it opens up the universe, much like the, I don't know, the blue pill, the red pill, one of those two. It opens up the universe, okay? And it gives you abilities and capabilities that you never had before. It creates a whole new platform. It creates a whole new universe for you to experience. But at the same time, okay, 
you also become dependent on this technology and you have a whole new set of problems and issues that you never had before. Now you could say this of anything. You could say this of a, 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 an electric oven, you know, as opposed to rubbing two sticks together and getting a fire going and setting a, 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 an iron pot on top of it. You could say the same thing about electricity. You could say th the same thing about running water and indoor plumbing. But I believe that we are, that, that this technology is a little bit different because it's such a quantum leap in change for the human mind and for the human organism, if you will, the nervous system of the human being which has been a certain way, let's face it, for if not millions of years, at least hundreds of thousands of years, okay. Now we're being forced to change and we're being forced to live in a new world, the world of the Zoom, the world of the internet, the world of the information, the world of the e-commerce, the world of, I don't know if, people are, are going to adapt because that's what we do as human beings. But I think the question for the entrepreneur is this. Are you going to be manipulated by it and disturbed by it and overwhelmed by it? Or are you going to seek out opportunities and use it and benefit not only yourself as an entrepreneur, of course, but use it in a way that you're creating value for others, which is what an entrepreneur is supposed to do, as opposed to an ICO scam, for example. <laughs> um, which, by the way, I want to put a pin in this and we'll come back to it. I have been studying my brains out about blockchain and Bitcoin and ICOs and, and hash and miners, and, 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 and all of that stuff, I have just been studying my brains out on that, and I find it to be absolutely fascinating. Now, I don't know how if we can tie it into this episode, but we definitely want to put a pin in that and then circle back to that pin and then pull out I that think we could definitely. I think we can definitely connect the dots on that to what our topic is today. Really? Okay. Yeah, I, think, I don't even think it's hard. I don't think it's hard, but I think it's a branch. I don't know if we have enough time to go down that road. Because oh, I could, I could hit it in five seconds, 10 oh. seconds. <laughs> name that tune. Really? I could name that uh, monetary uh, platform paradigm in three comments. No, I can do it in two comments. Go ahead, my friend. You have the floor. So we're talking about brick and mortar versus online opening a business and kind of our topic. So when you well, e-commerce, e-commerce, e online, so et cetera. Traditional right? pre-internet commerce, it's storefronts, um, cash register even, cash. We'll throw credit cards in there for the people way back in, way back. We're talking about checks, but very tangible physical operations. So you hand me what you hand me, I hand right. you what I hand you. Right. right. It hasn't changed much since Little House on the Prairie when they went into the general store and said, give me some bullets and a bucket of lard and uh, and, uh, and 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 give me that. Uh, uh, you know, my horse. 
<laughs> All right. So getting back to what I was saying, you have what's in the front of the store, but in the back of the store, you have a 61-year-old lady doing the books. Mm. Double entry accounting. We're gonna we're gonna debit one account and we're gonna flip the page seven pages forward and we're gonna credit the other account for the same amount. Right. And that's been the case. So keeping books is, is notoriously cumbersome. I do it manually myself. A lot of businesses mm. do it. There's software that helps you, but it's still cumbersome. You try ever try um what is Quicken. It? QuickBooks, <laughs> QuickBooks, and it's just I, I hate it. I just cannot stand QuickBooks at all. Oh, it's well, like torture. Yeah. And then it's about tracking things down. So it's like, okay, if you get audited, you got to get your books and, you know, are the books legitimate? Have they been cooked? I I watched this movie called War Dogs and they literally, they talk about totally faking and and creating fake. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I saw the movie. Good movie. War Dogs. I saw it. I think I recommended it to you. It was a good book. I watched it it two days ago. Yeah. Great. Now, where Bitcoin comes in when it comes to that is... um, well, first of all, it has two utilities that I think are really key that don't exist anywhere else. Um, one is the fact that you can transport it anywhere. So if I have money in the United States and I want to move it to Australia or to Bahrain or to China or Russia or France or Germany, then I can move it and I don't even have to transport it. I don't have to like tape the $100 bills to you know, on like that lady in New York that was, uh, she's leaving the country and they go, you know, your, your, your jacket looks kind of bulky, you know, and they, they stop her and she's got a million dollars in cash on her trying to get on the plane to Botswana or something. Yeah. So that's, you know, Bitcoin, you don't need that. You just need uh, a barcode. You can print it out, have it on your phone, email it to yourself, whatever you want to do. And, and you can take that money. So you don't necessarily have to keep the money in a particular place. Um, I would say if I'm a marijuana industry, a marijuana dispensary, I would love Bitcoin because you don't have to deal straight with cash as much anymore. Mm-hmm. The second one is the fact that it is on the blockchain. And that is the fact that's something where you see everything. And that's why Bitcoin is jumping so quick is because it's based on the blockchain. And the blockchain, everything is trackable. Every single transaction is public. It's out there. Um, it's permanent. You can't hide it. You can't change it can't edit it also it's slow and expensive well and they'll improve that they'll they'll improve (laughs) um but those are two utilities that i think that you know are are literally illustrate the difference between a brick and mortar business an old school business and an old school method of finance and you know kind of the the new methods that are coming forward but what's crazy and i'll just throw add it on it's not it's not an old school new school thing but most people don't realize about bitcoin and they're thinking, is it going to go up or is it go down? They don't realize that it's a mathematical certainty that it's going up dramatically. You know, Bitcoin is the only thing in the world that has a, de- a defined finite supply. There's nothing Correct. in the world that has a defined finite supply. There's 21 million possible Bitcoins, and that's it. Gold, you can always mine more gold. You can watch bearing, what is it, bearing, whatever the, what is it, the bearing gold or whatever that, that show on Discovery Channel is, where they're digging up gold dust and <laughs> out, of the, out of the ocean floor or whatever, you can find more gold. You can find more rare earth metals. You can find uh, more by gold. the way, let me just say that Elon Musk has been talking about mining some asteroid that's got a right. hundred quadrillion dollars worth of gold in it. And a platinum too. 
and platinum if you like platinum there's some yeah, platinum sure. in there yeah but you can always find it you can go in the solar system and find it or money you can print more money you can do all these things but there, you cannot get more bitcoin so literally the more people that implement bitcoin the price will automatically go up it's the only thing with a defined supply on it until it goes down again no but then what I'm saying is you're going to see people, as you see people start to adopt it, I'm not saying it's going to go uniformly up forever, but it's a mathematical certainty. It's going to hit 100,000. Like That's not even a question. Mm. I mean, it's, it's a 100% possibility. It's probably about an 80% possibility it's going to hit 250. Um, but the fact is people barely even use it. You know, you look at, uh, who is it? Warren Buffett. He referred it to, what did he call it? He basically had some really derisive comment about it and they asked him about it. And then a year later, it went up like nine times and he said, and they asked him about it again and he basically said it was the same thing cubed. So there's a lot of people that haven't done it, but the, the reason it's gone up to 50 grand um, is just because a couple of institutional investors started getting in on it. Tesla bought some and some other hedge funds bought some here, but it's not even that widely implemented. When you start to see Bitcoin be kind of you know, for the, I'll use a French term, but de rigueur, like something that people are using just on a daily basis. It's just the second, you don't even think about it. It's a second thought. Um, without a second thought, then you're going to see that you're going to see it go to about 150 and it's going to be insane. So, but when you look at, I would say this, when you look, Bitcoin's an example of something that really shows the difference between um, kind of the online businesses and how they run versus brick and mortar. You know, the fact that you have something that is is literally in cyberspace, pardon the pun, or, you know, they say cryptocurrency, but I don't know if that's really the best definition for it, but it's in cyberspace. You, you know, it's not, it doesn't have a physical place. You can't steal it. You can't have a bunch of bank robbers go in and, and steal it. You don't need security. Well, tell that to the people at Mount Gox. No, but you can't, you can, you can, what I'm saying is you can't go in and burglarize it. Is my sure opinion. you can. Well, not not from the blockchain, but if, if it's in an exchange, it can be hacked. Well, no, you can steal it. Anything, anything can be stolen. But my point is, you can't. It's not like a bank where you can go in and rob the bank, go into the vault, grab the loot, stick it in the bag, and run. Like it's untraceable. Like you don't have to. You don't have to hire security to guard your money. Like <clears throat> you have to have security, but you don't have to hire security. So it's just interesting. I think you're going to see people. If they're not already using it, you're going to see the billionaires of the world. That's how you hide your money. I mean, if you have your money in Bitcoin, how do they tax it? You don't even know where it's at. Now, if you find it, it's going to be a great honeypot for people who want to go in and like Mount Gox it and try to steal it for sure. Uh, but it's one of these things that's like, if you want to move money, let's say you want to get out of the U.S. And you wanted you had a million dollars in the bank and you don't want anybody to find out about it. You stick it in a, in a Bitcoin wallet. And you can take it in and out and never have to transport it. If you're a, mm -hmm. like, if you have a marijuana, I don't understand why, if they're not already using it, why dispensaries would not want to have people pay with Bitcoin. Because there's, because of the obvious, the obviously not enough people have it. Okay. Number one, your typical that would, stoner that, that goes it, into it, a MJ shop. is not going to whip out his Bitcoin. He's probably going to pay in cash. Okay. Well, and, and uh, there's probably ways you could translate. I know Coinbase does this, but 
Coinbase is like this with the IRS. So I'm not really sure they want to do that. But for those who are listening, I'd put two fingers together. So they're like besties with the IRS. Um, but I would say that if you had something where you, where you could actually have them pay it and then sweep the money into a Bitcoin wallet so that the customer doesn't need Bitcoin, but they do it, then that would be that would be important. One, it would be, I mean, way you can launder money for sure. But two, it's like, they're, right now, they're denied banking services because it's listed as a, marijuana is listed as a Schedule One drug. And I worked in banking. And once they started opening up medical dispensaries, and now it's recreational here in California, I was asking somebody, I'm like, why is it money? You know, why can't we open money? A marijuana account? Well, it's money laundering. I'm like, it's not money laundering. You know where it's coming from. Like, it's the opposite of laundering. This is marijuana. <laughs> Somebody's buying it. Here's their money. Here. Let's put it in the account. Now, this is all going to change, and I'm going to pivot a little bit. Is, and this is where I thought Trump made a made kind of a tactical mistake. I was going to say, if you want to attract all the young voters to vote for you in 2020, he should have pushed for marijuana legalization two years ago. So, and I think we'll see if Biden does that. I don't think he's going to do it. But if they do that, it's first of all, it's going to eliminate the conversation we're having right now because then the marijuana dispensaries can actually have bank accounts. So, right, but yeah, it's just it's just interesting. So, you know, the interesting thing about blockchain, going back to that, is if you look at was it Ripple? I think is the main one. I think Ethereum's the second one. They're using it for electronic contracts. So they're talking about the fact of like when you buy a home. Um, all the disclosures that you sign are going to be basically digital and they're going to be basically trans, uh, transmitted and recorded via blockchain. Right. So there's no question. If you have two corporations that, that are signing contracts, let's say a law firm, you're signing an engagement letter, they're putting, on, they're putting it in blockchain. Right. No question about it. So you go back to War Dogs. They signed a partnership agreement and the one guy... And as soon as he did it, I'm like, you're a moron. He took the partnership agreement, took the paper copy, stick it in an unlocked desk. I'm like, no. The top drawer. The top top drawer. He didn't even hide it. He didn't even hide it. No, I would immediately go to a scanner, take a picture, do whatever I can, email it to myself. But we're going to, you know, we're going to make sure that that is kept for perpetuity. It's called Uh, a safety deposit box. Hello. Right. Anything you're going to do. Anything you're going to do. You're not going to just stick it in the top drawer. The blockchain enables you to actually record those. So there's no question about, you know, did this contract exist? When was it recorded? Um, you know, they're gonna, I think they're going to do tax returns. And whenever our government gets out of the 1960s with their technology, um, I think at some point in time, the tax returns are going to be done that way. So. But it's just going to be interesting. I think going back to what we're talking about, it's like, you know, it's funny. Our initial topic was like brick and mortar businesses versus online businesses. And I remember when the e-commerce movement started in the early 2000s, you know, I was actually going to, I was actually going to get my graduate degree, part of my graduate degree in that. But it's like e-commerce then versus now is completely different. And I think in 10 years, the concept and and what goes on in e-commerce is going to be something that probably doesn't even exist right now in some degree. I absolutely, I mean, it's going to be I always, I I tell my clients, you know what you know, and you know what you don't know, but you don't know what you don't know. And um, that's, that's kind of the, how I feel uh, the the paradigm shift is for the human beings on this mud ball spinning in space. 
is they know what they know, <laughs> most of which is an illusion anyway, but let's just say they know what they know. We'll, we'll at least make that a, a, assumption. And they know what they don't know, which is a heck of a lot. They know they don't know a heck of a lot. We don't know what the cure for cancer is. We don't know how to stop war. We don't know how to, I don't know how to stop this stupid notebook computer from shutting itself off. Um, but hammer. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. See, I love that. You've got the solution, Matt. And you know what? I'm going to go get a sledgehammer right now and fix this like they did in office space when they fixed the, the, the printer. The bat. Yeah. You got to get the bat. <laughs> but my point is this, Matt, is we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what the, what the side effects and ramifications are going to be of this vaccine that everybody's taking. I don't know which version you want to take. There's like five different versions now. We don't know what the ramification is going to be 10 years from now of that. We don't know what the effects of our society is going to be of blockchain. We can guess, we can maybe guess, but we just don't know what we freaking don't know. I'm sounding a little bit like I'm on a tirade here, but I'm not. <laughs> no, no, that's what we're here for. We're not here for people to be bored. No, you don't know, you don't know. And I think the, key, the thing that jumped into my mind when you said that is, you know, what you, you know what you think you know. Some people don't know what they know, and they're smarter than they think. Most people think they know something that they don't know, but I think the key thing is you don't really want to be confused about that. Like, you don't want to have those two blend. So if, if it's something that you don't know, you don't want to think you know it. You want to know that you don't know it. And some people don't even know what they don't know, which is actually even better. <laughs> people actually know, probably make better decisions than anybody because they're not even committed to something. But you just don't want to, you don't want to confuse knowing what you don't know versus not knowing what you do know. Well, I'll give you an example. I had a, 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 a conversation with somebody um, and they told me with, absolute certainty in their mind that all the voting machines in the last election were hacked so that Biden would win. And this was done by some cabal conspiracy of people that had worked for the NSA at one time and knew how to do this and knew how to do that. And they were operating as foreign terrorists and they and I, I just looked at him and I said, hmm, okay, fine. But I felt like saying, oh, yeah, those are the same people that faked the moon landing and shot Kennedy and, uh, and, 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 and uh, you know, created, uh, created the, uh, the Matrix. And, and, you know, I mean, come on, people. There's so much out misinformation out there and conspiracy theories and people who believe... You know, I tell my clients, just because you believe it doesn't make it a fact. That is true. And I would say this, is when, you, when you were saying that, the words that jumped in my mind were all, like all the machines, there were just, everything's on completely one side of the continuum. And if you're going to say that, that's, you can say that, but, you know, you kind of better have, it's like what I was, it's like when people are going around throwing the racist word out. It's like, if you're going to call somebody that kind of word, you better have some evidence. You better have some solid evidence if you're going to drop that kind of slur on somebody. And if you're going to say, well, all the votings were, there's this cabal of people that hacked all the voting machines. I'll tell you this, 
I'm not saying it didn't happen. I don't know. I presume it didn't happen, but I don't know, right? But you better, if you're going to say that with that kind of certainty, you kind of better have some evidence. Like if you're going to go into court and say, this guy murdered this girl. Okay, prosecutor, do you have any evidence? Not really. Circumstantial evidence. We have well, the opinion have like, of an eyewitness. We have the opinion of an eyewitness. And well, that's enough better, to lock the guy up for the rest of his life. And if I'm the judge, I'd be like, uh, has the, has, what is, okay, defense attorney, what do you think? Well, that eyewitness says they weren't even in town that day. All right, counselor, what else do you say? Is that all you got? Do you have anything else? Nope. Like, come on, like, don't even waste your time. You're going to piss that judge off, and every time you walk into court, that, that judge sees you, and they're going to be like, yeah, I'm already ruling against you, and I haven't even heard against, I haven't even heard it. But, yeah, I would say anytime you say to yourself everything and all, the odds are you're wrong. I agree. You're wrong. I agree. The odds are you're starting off from being wrong, and you need to prove yourself right. I mean, that's the way I look at it. Like my wife, there was one time she said, you never do the dishes. First of all, I do dishes more than anybody in our house. I'm like, really? <laughs> I never do dishes? Really? I'll tell you what. How about this? How about I stop doing dishes, and then you'll know what it's like for me never to do dishes. And she goes, okay, you definitely do dishes then. I just wish the dishes here were done right now. I'm like, well, that's a fair thing. I get that. But when you say e never, all, always, no one, you're, you know, you're always on one side of the, the spectrum, you're 90% you're of the time you're wrong. You just are. Right. And I'll leave room. You could be right. Maybe there is a cabal of people that busted all the voting machines. I don't know. But I would say this, that's a charge that necessitates some pretty strong evidence. If you're going to make that kind of assertion, you better have that kind of evidence to back it up. And if it's just, well, I read it on 4chan. <laughs> well, okay, that's not good enough. Like, my Uncle Vinny was doing security that night. <laughs> like, okay, that's probably not enough. You know, if you, try, if you go Ferris Bueller and you're like, my brother's best friend played soccer with a guy whose sister played the tuba in a band whose brother is a bartender for the guy whose computer broke and his, his best friend was one of the people who heard on 4chan that there was this conversation on QAnon about it happening. Okay, no. Got to come stronger than that. I, I agree. I agree. As a, You know, it leads me to this comment that I'd like to make. And I and as someone who who spends an inordinate amount of time studying human behavior, the nature of reality, uh, the cause and effect relationships between uh, everything in the world, I have come to the conclusion at my age, and I'll be sixty-five in July, and I know I'll be sixty-five. Uh, no, I'll be 65 in July because every week I receive at least three or four letters telling me that I'm eligible for Medicare and they need to advise me. So uh, it, it confirms that. But let me just say this, Matt. Everything that we know as reality, and that includes blockchain, fiat currency, e-commerce, what you're going to have for breakfast tomorrow or today, um, 
what we're doing right now with this podcast, everything in the world, in the universe as we know it, is based on one word. Do you know what that word is, Matt? Let me tell you what it is. Then I'd like your, your response. That word is trust. Everything in the world that we know, including our own identity and who we think we are and what we do and why we do it is based on one word, trust. What do you think about that, Matt? Um, I think you're right. <laughs> I think, I, I don't think, well, I don't think, not only do I think you're right, but I think that a lot of people aren't even aware of what they put their trust in. Did we, should we put, so then the, begs the question, should we put our trust in fiat currency? Should we put our trust in technology? Should we put our trust in our next door neighbor? Should we put our trust in who we think we are in our own identity and what we've been taught and conditioned to believe? Should we put our trust in any of this? Anything, anything. Because if we do, and we can, and we do, then the results are going to be what they're going to be. Yeah, I go back to my, I think, you know, Billy Joel helps me make better decisions than probably anybody out there. And for those who aren't familiar, Billy Joel made millions and millions and millions of dollars. And he basically, ironically, the guy who wrote the song called It's a Matter of Trust allowed his accountant <laughs> to, maybe that's why he wrote the song. That was his brother-in-law. Uh, or his brother-in-law stole all his money. Well, so I would say this. Yeah. If Billy Joel's brother-in-law is not trustworthy, then, you know, that begs the question. But going further, it's like, you, I would only trust people who I know have my best interests at heart. Uh, I'm not going to put my trust in, we're going to talk about fiat currency in a second, anybody else. Like, even when I, when I started my real estate business, I have a property management company and they do a lot of things, but I have other people checking on them. So I literally have people that don't know each other checking each other's work. Um, you know, and I was thinking, what about people that are like millionaires and, you know, do they manage their own money? Do they bank? Do they, you know, they measure kind of what their return of investment is, where all their money is? You know, what does Tom Brady do? He has to have somebody that, he trusts with his money, but then you have to have other people that check on it. Um, but what's interesting to talk about fiat currency is there's a concerted effort across the world to, everybody's in a rush to debase their own currency. You look what we're doing in our country. We're debasing our currency like the money's going to be, if you ever seen the movie Millions, the British movie, you would actually like it. The whole story is they were, it was, it was a hypothetical movie if the British ever moved off the pound and went to the euros. And they basically had like a month to spend your pounds because after a month, they weren't going to be good anymore. Right. And so they're, they're transporting these loads of British pounds, these pound notes on rail. And one of the, one of the cars, uh, somebody tries to rob the train and throws out a bag of money. Then they end up getting arrested 
the bag of money lands in this kid's backyard. And so he has like millions of dollars, millions of pounds. And he's like, it was like, imagine Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Brewster's Millions kind of put into one movie. And they're going around spending all this money because they have like a week and a half before this money is completely and utterly worthless. And that's what, the, that's what a lot of countries are doing. Our country's about to spend $2 trillion on stuff that realistically, most of it, you don't really need to spend it on. Um, the European Union just gave themselves in the last year or two the ability to borrow money at a deficit point. They never used to be able to do that. The European Central Bank could not borrow and have a deficit. They now can't. Uh, the Australians are borrowing at a clip like they really believe the Australian dollar is going to not going to be around any longer. They're, they're spending money like crazy. China, I mean, everybody knows China is, is, is hokey with their money. But it's funny. I used to buy foreign currency. I, don't, I bet you didn't even know this. But I used to buy foreign currency as a hedge against the dollar. Mm. And then I realized that everybody's kind of racing to the bottom at various speeds. Some people are going down the green slope. Some people are going down the blue square slope. Others are going down the black diamond. And then I think the U.S. is going down the double black diamond. Like the, <laughs> Olympic, the Olympic super G. Well, isn't that just, isn't that called jumping off a cliff? Basically, I mean. Pretty much. And then I realized the they're, all, like, they're, all, they're all cannibalizing each other. So like if I were to buy an Australian dollar, you know, they're, they're, they're going down the same hole the U.S. is. It's just they, the speed at which they're going, they change. Uh, and so I wouldn't trust fiat currency. Are you kidding me? Like, look at, I remember when I was a kid, and, and, and you're older than I am, so I'm, I'm curious to see what you would say. This. I remember as a third grader, we used to go and buy potato chips at school, and you could get a bag of potato chips for a quarter. And I don't know what they run now. I don't buy potato chips, but so I, I guarantee you it's probably a dollar. dollar at least. At if least. Potato chips are like gold. Oh, they were back then too, but they were a quarter. And then you could get one of those ice cream bars for 75 cents. I remember that. Those were awesome. But it's like you look they at They actually had go. ice cream in them. See, what's happening That's now? True. What's happening now is the price of the ice cream bar is going up, but the quality of the ice cream bar is going down. So what you end up with is the double whammy. You end up with an ice cream bar that costs five dollars. It has no ice cream in it. It's some kind of soy, a combination of soy and drywall dust, okay, with a fake brown coating on it that used to be chocolate. So what you have is the illusion of an ice cream bar for 10 times more than what it cost before. And here's the ironic part of it, my friend. Nobody can tell the difference because they never had a real ice cream bar. You see? Isn't that crazy? Well, it's like the Egg McMuffin at McDonald's, okay? I like the sauce. The only thing I ever eat at McDonald's occasionally is a sausage McMuffin. I like it, okay? However, I have found that as the price has gone up just a little bit, you can get, still get two of them for about buck mm, fifty to two dollars if they're on special, right? But they get smaller and smaller. Now they're about the size of a fifty cent piece, and I'm wondering when they're going to be the size of a quarter. And this is this is what's happening in our society: the ice well, cream bar, the sausage McMuffin. 
that Whatever. famously, you know who famously first got, I, I wouldn't say they started it, but they were the first people to be busted on it, was Oreos. The Oreos, when you bought a pack of Oreos, you know, a, a container of Oreos. Most popular, the most popular cookie in the world. Yeah. And there was, let's say, I'm just going to make up a number. Let's say there were 48 Oreos in there, four, four rows, 12 um, Oreos per. Well, they started saying, they said they would drop the price of Oreos, but they would reduce the numbers of cookies in them. Right. Well, and this happened to me when I went to the store. I went to the store and I wanted to buy some containers of oat milk. Okay. And so every kind of milk in the world now, none of it comes from a teat. Okay. It's all made from something else, like almonds, oats, flax. I don't know how they milk these things, but they milk them somehow. But anyway, here's my point. I look and this carton of oat milk is on sale. It's $3. But I notice it's thinner than the That's regular not. carton. It's not the same size. So they're saying it's on sale for $3, but it's 30% less milk. They've done that with orange juice too. If you watch... If you look at, if you go and buy orange juice and you buy um, a quart of, is it a quart? Yeah, I guess a quart of milk, then you'll notice that the size, the container difference is, is a different size. Right. Right. Yeah, because they're just, they're, they're, I mean, it's like, why would you trust people? Like, that's going back to what you're asking. Why would you trust somebody when this is your common behavior in order to try to, so who's, respon who's responsible for this charade, okay? Is it, in, in going back to trust, and, and, and if we have enough time, we're going to tie all this into on, uh, online commerce and, 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 and entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur. There's something to be learned from this. We're talking about some basic fundamental principles here that apply not only to that, but to your I don't know, your job in the matrix or whatever the heck it is that you live in your life on a day-to-day -day basis. We are in the new normal now, okay? These are fundamental principles that are important. But let me just say this. Who is responsible for this? Is it the corporation? Is it the people in the corporation? Is it economic dynamics? They have to make it smaller. They have to make more money. They have to do this. They have to do that. Is it marketing? What is it, Matt? What is the dynamic that's forcing this to happen with the Egg McMuffin, with the carton of uh, oat milk, with... Uh, you know, all of those things. With, with the fiat currency, what is the force that is making this happen? I'm starting to really sound fanatical now, but I want to emphasize this. It's important. Well, I would say if I had to guess, I would say the first place to look at is you want to look at um, the fact that most of these companies that do this are publicly traded companies or they're subsidiaries of conglomerates. And they're just trying to squeeze every bit of penny out of whatever they can do. And, and probably somebody, the, the guy probably tripled his salary when he said this. He's like, well, we can't charge anymore because if we charge more for our Oreos or our orange juice, they're just going to go buy the competitor. Right? I mean, orange juice is a commodity. We probably go to the store, there's probably nine different versions of orange juice next to each other. <clears throat> what if we just made it 4% or 5% smaller? And 
you know, we'll play around, we'll get the product design team and we'll get them to play around and see if we can get, you know, create a, a packaging that doesn't look like it's much smaller. And then we'll get the marketing team that comes up with a new name for it. So like in the early 80s, everything was light, L-I-G-H-T, L-I-T-E. And I, I can tell you this from an advertising background, you can call something light bread if for no other reason, it's lighter in color. Absolutely. That's with a GHT. Now, you can call something light, <clears throat> L-I-T-E, if it weighs a little bit less. And then you can say, oh, it's, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's this light, this light, this light. And people think, oh, it's better for you. It has fewer calories. No, it doesn't. It just has more bleach in it. So I think more than anything, it's this sense of like you have these multinational conglomerates playing around with your food and going back to your ice cream thing. Most ice cream is a chemical, unless it's really good ice cream, is kind of a, con a chemical concoction designed to, to stimulate the taste buds in your mouth the same way that real ice cream does. But if you're buying crappy ice cream, then you're not buying ice cream. It's like I, I remember my, my wife got sick one day. And she's like, hey, could you get me some ginger ale? And I'm like, all right. And my first thought, I'm sure it's like you as well, is when you have ginger ale as a kid, it is ginger ale. It is made from the ginger root. Well, I went there and I looked at all the ginger ale, started with Canada Dry, went through all the other ones. And it's basically just straight soda with a ginger taste to it. And then I started looking at the packaging, being an advertising major, and I noticed it said real ginger taste. Now, if you take the word taste out, you have my respect. If it just said real ginger, that's fine. So I went through on all of them, and it's basically, it was like Pepsi. It was like diet Pepsi. It was like Pepsi, but with ginger ale flavor. And then it was one item on the shelf that actually had real ginger ale, and it was like four to five times the price. And in smaller packaging. Like it was... And it was like, how messed up is it that like people that are drinking ginger ale because they think, oh, it'll help me feel better or this or that, or I have a cough or no, you're drinking Pepsi, basically. Colored sugar water. Now, that's what my brother called it when I was growing up. But it was like, but not even sugar. It doesn't when they no, and that's the when they switch from sugar to corn fructose syrup was the worst thing they ever did for America. Worse than, worse than assassinating Kennedy was the worst thing because it changed the diet of America and it fooled the human body into thinking it was getting something. And then it developed this craving. You can never get enough of what you don't want. In other words, if, you, if, if something is a substitute for what you really want, you can never get enough of it. Right. Well, and the other thing is, you look at, at high fructose corn syrup. First of all, it's yeah, you know, I you know, there's a huge correlation, and I think there's a causation, but there's a huge correlation between you know people getting diabetes and weight gain and obesity and taking this. But at the same time, there is an addictive aspect to it. Like there's certain things that you that you eat or drink that like have an addictive quality to it. And I don't, Absolutely. I can't, I can't, I can't it's the say worst whether... combination. It's the worst combination ever. It's bad for you. 
It doesn't really satisfy you, and it's addictive. You may as well be smoking cigarettes. At least cigarettes, you get something out of it, you know. Right. Obviously, you know, it increases your blood pressure. It satisfies the, 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 the brain cells in your body that crave nicotine, okay? It gives you some kind of a positive feeling, you know. I was, I was in line to pay cash for gas a while back, okay? I go to a gas station has the best, it has the best price that I can find. And if you pay cash, you pay less. And I'm standing in line behind this woman. She kind of looks like death warmed over, okay? Past middle age, got that haggard look. And she's in front of me and she's not even there to buy gas. She's there to buy two packages two packages of cigarettes and she's paying over $20 for two packs of cigarettes. And I'm thinking to myself, well, first you're causing me to wait in line here to pay for gas and you're not even getting gas. Secondly, it doesn't look like cigarettes are doing you any good at all. <laughs> And thirdly, you just paid $20 plus tax for two packs of cigarettes. And I might have made a comment. <laughs> I thought she might have heard, it, heard me, but she didn't, obviously. Even if she had, she would. We're talking about, here we're going back to what you don't know that you don't know, or what you know that you know, and you choose to ignore it anyway. And this is what's happening in our world today. This is what's happening in our economy. This is what's happening with technology. This is what's happening with the pandemic. It's all about people who know that they shouldn't do something, but for some reason have made up in their own mind that it have to have it or it's a benefit to them of some kind. The only reason people smoke cigarettes is because they feel shitty when they don't. But they do, but they don't feel better when they do. They're like a heroin addict who needs to take heroin so he feels normal, so he can function, which if you call that functioning, okay. Or an alcoholic. As to, I, I, I've known people who are out, functional alcoholics. The first thing they did after they lit up a cigarette when they woke up in the morning is drink two, a quart to two quarts of warm cheap vodka warm cheap as shit vodka so they could get their day going now you're talking to some i'm i know i have a phd in psychology but you don't need a phd in psychology to figure out that this is shitty this is bad why are you doing this right and I'm not really sure why people do it. I've studied it, and I've studied it, and I've studied it, okay? So but as take? far as I can tell... A, you have more of a clinical view on this than probably most people. What's, what's your take? Well, here's my take. Most people, and this is built into the nervous system. This is the blueprint for the human being, okay? Choose short-term feelings... And, 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 and behaviors that, uh, that seem to satisfy them in the short term over a long-term benefit. 
And that's how we, that's how the, that's the blue, that's the nervous blueprint of the reptilian brain of the human organism. Now it has worked for us as a human organism for millions of years. If you see a tiger, you run away. If you're hungry, you grab whatever you can freaking eat that has fat and sugar and calories and you shove it in your pie hole. Okay. Cause you're always concerned. You're always thinking about how do I survive for another freaking hour, okay, without being killed or starving, right? And this has been, this has been, this has been literally imprinted in the human organism via the nervous system in the reptilian brain. Now, the prefrontal cortex, which makes these kinds of decisions that says, well, maybe I shouldn't eat a whole pizza or maybe <laughs> an entire pizza at one sitting, or maybe, uh, you know, um, instead of dig digging ditches for a living and making $8 an hour, I might want to go get a college degree, you know, and, and maybe do something a little bit more valuable for society or, you know, instead of having sex with this woman, you know, and not using a condom, maybe I should be more choosy about who I'm going to have uh, a coital interaction with, okay? D that's the reptilian part of the brain. It functions in a certain way, but we live in a different world. And this is, this is the matrix. This is the matrix. It's not some made-up video game that we live in. It's the lizard nervous system versus the prefrontal cortex that lives in the past and predicts the future and every moment, you know, it, it, look, it, it comes, it, you know, part of it is trust, but part of it is just people behaving and acting with no thought of the consequences based on their nervous system. And this is the world that we live in. But here's the problem. The world that we live in now is being radically changed and radically metamorphosized by something called technology and science. And if you look how much the world has changed in the last 100 years because of science and technology, all right. No other reason. People are still people. People still do what people do. Society still does what it does. People are still conditioned to do certain things a certain way. But if you look at how much the world and our be and how we live and what we do has been changed by technology and science in the last 100 years. And you understand that in the next 100 years, it's going to change even more. It will blow your freaking mind. So, you know what I think would be fun? I think it would be fun if the, if the sun that we rely on every day, Saul, you know, that big ball of nuclear fusion in the sky, 93 million miles away from us, were to send out and it could at any moment, a super strong electromagnetic pulse. And that pulse would take every piece of magnetic media 
that has been encoded in the world and set it to zero. All computers, all magnetic tape, including cassettes to hard drives to backup, except for optical media, would be every chip would be set to zero and essentially completely blanked out, okay? What would happen to trust? <laughs> what would happen to commerce? What would happen to government? What would happen to the world that we live in? We, I know we, we, we would survive. I know we would survive. It'd be Mad Mac. It would be Mad Mac. Right. Now, think about this for a second. People always talk about, this is a concept that somebody brought up to me a few months ago. They're, you look at um, civilizations, for lack of a better term, you know, the Sumerians, all these people that they don't, they don't know how they did things. They, 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 there's a lot of things that they note in their, a lot of it's stone carvings that like they knew where all the planets were. They knew their rotations. They knew a lot about astronomy and you know people say well you know how do they know that or whatever and they had to carve it on carve it into granite basically let's say you had some crazy uh, natural disaster and you know it wiped everything out right everything we have is on electronic electronic media so if you had literally dug it out or you have some alien civilization pulls it out how do they even know what we know? Like if you if you have if you put a video of yourself on a VHS tape, nobody's gonna see it if they don't have a VCR. You put it on a CD, nobody can read it and understand what it is unless you have a, a DVR, a DVD player. And it's like but you get to a point of like even just the minimum, which is an EMP or a solar event or something like that, where it just knocks the grid down. What are you going to do? You know, we had the power go out, what, 10 years ago in the whole county? What about Texas recently? Do you know that, that the power suppliers to the grid in Texas got a $2 billion bill because of the supply-demand situation to provide the people in Texas with heat to live, to survive, okay, during this cold snap and are now declaring bankruptcy. What is that all about? I know. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Like, well, well, first of all, the amount of money they got charged for electricity. I mean, somebody needs to go to jail or lose everything for that because that was just absolutely criminal what they did. It sounds like Enron all over again. Oh, I think it's worse than Enron. Enron yeah. didn't throw those kind of bills up there. <laughs> but, but it is supply and demand. It's how our economy is based. Hey, if you want no, more it juice, is, okay. you want more juice. So we're going to talk about something that you just, you just leaned into a topic that I have a very strong opinion on. So people say, well, these are private companies. They can do what they want. Okay. You ever heard that expression? Whether it's social media companies, power companies. Well, there's two Look, opinions about there's two <laughs> opinions about that. They're private companies, but they they work for the 
public trust. No, I'll get. I'll give you even more clarification. So you look at uh, electric utilities. So it could be SoCal Edison, San Diego Gas and Electric, whatever it is. Sempra. Sempra. They're a monopoly. They have a monopoly over an area. I agree. So once you have a monopoly, you can't sit here and say, well, I'm going to use the market forces lock argument. I'm, I am a strict market efficiency guy. So I'm a, I'm a guy who says supply, demand, let, the, let go of the wheel. It's going to take care of itself. You know, not, maybe not in the short run, but definitely in the long run. The market forces, laissez-faire, the invisible well, I'm a, hand. Oh, I'm definitely a laissez-faire guy for sure. But if you sit here and say, well... We're going to, first of all, choose one company, a private company, to supply electrical, you know, grid to an area. Same thing with cable companies. Like, once you have a monopoly, you've kind of surrendered your market forces argument. Um, but then the other thing is, too, is like, I've studied enough law to understand that that doesn't even apply. There are two Supreme Court precedents that say that if you're a private company and you're doing something that the government could do, then you cannot rely on the private, you're a private business argument. You can't. So I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty on the cases, but like when they were talking about like um, the social media companies and they're like, well, yeah, they can do what they want. They're private companies. Well, it's not really what the Supreme Court said in 1976. So there's one, there's one in 38 and one in 76 or 78, 76 or 78. It might've been 78. Um, where that doesn't apply, but to literally sit here and have the whole power grid go down in Texas. First of all, because the wind turbines freeze is part of it, I think is, is, is horrible, but hilarious at the same time. I mean, not hilarious. If you have friends and family there, I'm not laughing at your friends and family, but it's like the incompetence of people not to figure out how to keep this from happening is just really, really stupid. It's why- Well, that's not all, the gas lines froze too. And the gas lines froze because they weren't weatherized. So yeah, the I only that. thing that worked was coal. Right. And and you get all the people in the Biden administration are going, crap! Damn <laughs> like, it. dang it! Of all the things. <laughs> and then Joe Manchin's going, so, coal, huh? Wait a minute. Am I the tiebreaker in the Senate again? Huh. Rubbing his chin. I think my leverage just went through the roof. <laughs> My political capital just increased like a Bitcoin. Oh, no. My political capital increased like GameStop stock a month and a half ago. <laughs> like more than Bitcoin. Bitcoin's at least somewhat on a, on, a, on a relatively uptick. It was like GameStop on January 25th. That's where it went up. Oh, my but it was God. Like, and you know, you know what's funny is if you ask anybody from Texas and you're like, what was the one backstop you had for energy? It wasn't solar. It wasn't electric. But what pisses them off is it wasn't even oil. It was coal, something they have to import from other states. They take pride, so much pride in their energy sector, but particularly the oil sector. Oh, and yeah. they couldn't even depend on their own oil. Like that is literally like stripping you naked and making you run through the street. Like they had to be really pissed off about that. Yeah, and they're Texans too. So take that into oh, consideration. And at that point, it's like they wear really they big own... hats. They have big hats. You know why? They have such big hats. They have big heads. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the crazy thing. The, the, the Texas electrical grid is separate. There's three electrical grids in the United States. You have a Western United States grid, 
an Eastern United States grid, and then Texas has their own grid. All those people, and this is where I'm going to tell you, like, I, this is where you can definitely tell that I have no political allegiance at all. All those people that are like, yeah, we're, we're thinking of seceding because Biden's president. And then they have their grid go, their electrical grid go down. And it's their fault. Right. A hundred percent their fault. They shot you know, themselves in the foot. Oh, they no, 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 no. They <laughs> took the they took the they they took the machine gun and shot all both their feet, all their legs, their feet, everything. <laughs> all those people that were like, I think we're gonna go and we're gonna create, we're gonna secede again. We are gonna be the Lone Star Republic again. Wait, what? We don't have any energy. We don't have our own oil. Wait, the oil froze? They they need to change the name from the Lone Star State to the Lone Grid State. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. <laughs> wow. The Lone Option State. <laughs> no, the Lone Grid State, yeah. But it's, uh anyway, but it was like, yeah, this is just, it's one of those things. I honestly think that we go, and I've said this a couple times, I think, and, and it's a debate whether you want to say it's a year and a half ago or five years ago, I think somebody stole Marty McFly's Sports Almanac and took us down the dark path to Back to the Future 2. Because none of the stuff that we've incurred over the last, and pick a time, year and a half, five years, like Trump, hate Trump, whatever, none of the stuff ever even came close to happening the way it did. And, and, and it used to be, and I, I remember I said this until like literally a month and a half ago, maybe no, maybe three months ago. Yeah, it was probably like October. And I was like, there's always this thing where you think of the craziest thing that could possibly happen. And my default response was, no, that'll never happen. That's too crazy. And then I took a step back and I realized, you've been on this planet for the last six months. And then I realized, holy crap, anything is possible. Like, it's not even possible, plausible, like could happen. Like we have a president, I was watching this last night and it was not a right wing thing. I was watching it across a few different platforms. Our president has, has stage four dementia. And I actually had to look it up because I, I, I was looking at him and I'm like, geez, this guy is like in really bad physical capacity. Because when I, one thing that got me looking was he was giving a speech and he, and he, he forgot Sheila Jackson Lee's name. And he called her Shirley. But what was worse is he said, she, Shirley. And then he closed his eyes, clenched his eyes for like a good three seconds. And then came up with something else. And I'm like, so I Googled dementia, closed eyes when trying to remember. And I came up to this article and it was talking about the seven stages of six or seven stages of dementia. In stage four dementia, he has every symptom except two. I'm like, this is the leader of our country. Like, this is the guy who's, you know, the backstop of our freedom in a sense. If I'm Xi Jinping, I'm sending a battle group to Hawaii. Like, <laughs> like this is crazy. Like, we have a guy who literally cannot occupy and do his job. He has Kamal Harris talking to world leaders. And I'm, it's not even me being political. Whether I like Joe Biden or not, if this is anybody, this could be my favorite politician in the world, I will tell you the exact same thing. You have the vice president calling the foreign leaders. The president doesn't even travel to Texas when it freezes over. Like, there's a lot of things going on here that are really, really troublesome. And it's like, 
I said early before he got sworn in that I thought he was going to be 25th Amendment within the first year. I don't think he's going to. I think once Andrew Cuomo gets out of the news, that's the only thing keeping it from being in the news right now is Andrew Cuomo is just sucking up all the air in the room. I think by the summer, he might be 25th Amendment. I think they're just getting the preparations under. I don't think he's going to last through the summer. Mm. Well, you might be right. Um, but and, and I don't say that with any joy. I don't want him. Like, no. I look, I, I voted for Trump. I told you that. But I root for Biden. I want him to do well, because if he does well, our country does well. I want him to, you know, to do things that make our country successful. I want him to be respected on the world stage. Uh, all the different things. Everything I wanted for Trump, I want for Biden. But I'll tell you this. If Donald Trump was showing up in 2017 looking like what we're seeing right now, I would, I would immediately be like, you got to get this guy out of office. Trump, I mean, you got to put Pence in there, which people who don't like Trump hate Pence. So, like, that's not any better for some people. But, like, you got to get anybody in there. Can we just hold a lottery? Like, we're just going to get a whole bunch of people, we'll go to, like, some subway station down in D.C., in the D.C. metro, and we'll just hold a lottery. <laughs> and the person that has, you know, we'll pick out, you know what we'll do? We'll pass out, we'll pass out monopoly spaces. And whoever gets the boardwalk one is president. And whoever gets Park Place is vice president. And, and I'm, I'm sure that would probably be better options than what we have going right now. Well, listen, I, I don't well, want to go... imagine through... losing to him in the primaries? There are people that lost <laughs> to this guy. Like Liz Warren had to be like, why did I ever leave? Well, listen, it's, my friend. It's a crazy I... world, and I can't believe we're in this world right now. And, and I'm just, like, not fearful, because I'm an optimist. But I'm just like... Half fifty percent curious and fifty percent dreading what is going to be the next thing that happens next because I think we've we started to check off the bingo sheet of crazy things that have happened in the last you know one to five years depending on what your your time sheet is. Well, listen, my friend, I don't want to go too far far down the political road, but let me just say this: in my opinion, I would rather have Biden with stage nine dementia than Trump using all one hundred percent of his faculties. And, and I'll, that, I'll tell fair. you, I'll tell you this, if Reagan could run the country with dementia, Biden can run the country with dementia. You just got to put some smart people in charge. OK, well, and that's my and that's my concern is that, like, I look at some of the people and I don't think Biden put him in charge. Like, I'm not going to give him credit. I just don't think he's there. But I think the people that made the choices, of, at least I shouldn't say all of them, because there's a million people in government. It's a giant, slow moving, titanic, ruddered ship. Right. But some of them make me question it. Like, and again, this is probably not emblematic of everybody. But the Pete Buttigieg interview where he was in, in the Senate hearing and they asked him what was his, what made him qualified to be Treasury Sec or uh, Transportation Secretary? And he said, well, I really liked trains growing up. He really mm. said that. Mm. So, I mean, I'm sure there's some really good people. I'm sure that uh, Janet Yellen, oh. I don't, Janet Yellen, I'm not a big fan of, but she knows what she's doing. Like, I'm not going to say she doesn't know what she's doing. There's other people that are probably really, really qualified. I think the press secretaries need to go. I think they need to pick better press secretaries because they're making the administration look bad. But I'm just hoping. Anyway, going back on an optimist tone. I'm hoping that this year we get back to normal. We reopen up. Everything settles down. They start loving their neighbors and brothers and sisters again. And we can get back to freaking normal because I can tell you this, whether you like or hate Trump, I think everybody, 
and I can speak for both sides of it because I have friends on both sides of that. Just want to get back where, where politics is just not a part of our conversation. We want to talk about, you know, reality TV or some stupid thing. You know, it's more vain, vain things out there than sit here and having to like lose half your friends because you voted for somebody or you didn't vote for somebody. So hopefully this is the year we get back to normal. And if there's any trend, let's go back. Was it Woodrow Wilson that said it or was it Coolidge that said return to normalcy? Oh, I don't know. Which it isn't even a word, by the way. It could have been yeah, Coolidge. Might have been cool. I think it was Coolidge because Woodrow Wilson was, was just a bad person. But I hate the word normalcy because it's not even a real world world you know this from being a psychologist it's normality of course so i'm hoping that 2021 is a return to normality and for the people that are starting their businesses you can actually right now it's like the idea of starting a brick and mortar business is usually a death sentence to you but if we get back to normal then you actually have you have options so right well let me just say this when you describe the government as sort of a, a large titanic uh, Titanic ruddered ship. Ru- Titanic ruddered ship. In my opinion, the government makes the Titanic look like a Miami speedboat. Okay. So, so a cigar, uh, so, uh, one of those, those cocaine runners. So, cocaine running, tweaking, uh, captained. Yeah, hyper. Drinking Captain Morgan and tweaking and 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 with a with a boat that's faster than. Than you can possibly imagine trying to get a ton of cocaine to miami that's what the government makes the titanic look like okay yeah oh i agree i agree 100 now i believe you're talking about what's going to be happening in the future in my opinion okay and i only have an opinion because i have a podcast here with you but in my opinion we're going to see the world is going to turn into the movie idiocracy Except it's all going to be run by artificial intelligence that doesn't work. Which would be the Matrix. Maybe. Listen, if you guys say anything about the Matrix, you say the same thing about the Germans, right? The okay, trains, I don't know what you're talking about. What is? What, oh, about the trains that are running on time? The trains run on time, okay? You could say in the Matrix, they were efficient, they were efficient. The ma- people that ran the Matrix were very efficient. There wasn't a lot of complaining. Not a <laughs> well, lot of yeah, complaining. That is the ultimate understatement of all time. <laughs> so what, is, what do they say? The, the beatings will continue until morale improves? <laughs> exactly. And what you say about the Germans and the Nazis was the trains ran on wait, time. Wait, wait, wait. wait. For, just to be clear, I didn't say anything about the Nazis. No, no, you I'm saying the trains running on time. No, so. The trains ran on time. Unfortunately, the trains were filled with Jews being sent to the death camps. So they're death camps, right? Okay. And running on time is not really a virtue when you're sending people <laughs> to their death on the train. <laughs> well, it is for the people in charge, is what I'm right. saying. But for the people on the trains, you wouldn't mind if the train never got there, is my point. Well, I don't even know about that, my friend. That's a presumption. If you're on a train crowded, there's no bathrooms. Okay, it's fair filthy. Enough, fair enough. You don't want Barely the train breathe. to be late. You want to get there wherever you're going as soon as possible. Or just get off the train. How do you get off the train? That's the question. 
that okay that that's the question of the day for sure see that's the question of today for our whole society is how do we get off the train the doors are locked and even if you could manage to unlock the doors there's people there with machine guns that will mow you down in a fucking second so how do we get off this train how do we get off this podcast we've been talking for over an hour and a half well, I would say this is, is if, there, if there's anything I've learned in life is that when you've been on, when you basically dropped your first F-bomb of our entire podcast series, I now would be the time, <laughs> now's the time to check out for the day. So with that being said. Well, no, I our, presumed you could edit that out. Matt. I can, you, but I'm, odds are, if you're listening to this and it's not edited out, it's because I, it's an hour and a half and I'm not going to be <laughs> editing an hour and a half of the podcast. So let me I'll just say this. I can actually go in and, you know what, fine. I'll go in and edit it. So those who are listening, you heard. No, 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 keep piece. it in. Keep it in. Keep, keep it in. in. Okay. I, I'm considering it a We're bonus. Grown up. We're grown it's up a here. bonus it's, for subscribers. It's not a It's not a bug. It's a feature. It's a bonus for our subscribers. It's not a bug. It's a feature. Now, if that was something that describes, I, I think that's what we got to go out on today. If you can describe anything in the last 15 months, or, if, you know, you don't like Trump, you'll say five years. That's fine. It, <laughs> It's not a bug. It's a feature. I think we've lived through that. So with that being said, Al, I, 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 there's no better place to end Yeah, that goes, that goes right along with if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. And I don't buy that either. No, okay. that's the guy who got hit by a bus, right? <laughs> yeah, Nietzsche. Nietzsche. If you're a philosopher sitting in the library smoking a pipe, yeah, sure, you can, you can say if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. But if you're some poor slob that just got the black plague... No. Right. And survive. <laughs> yeah. Or, I, hey, you get a t-shirt. I survived the Black Plague. <laughs> but let me just say this to our audience out there before, like I always say in conclusion to my conclusion, uh, I'm not trying to make things more complicated, but folks, if you walk away, if you, if you walk away from this or if you listen to this podcast and you get anything out of it, I want you to understand that everything that you know, everything that you believe, your whole life is built on one word, trust. So be very careful who you trust, okay? Because that's going to make the difference in your whole life, whether it's fiat currency, blockchain, technology, um, marketing and and i just would like to say as a caveat do not buy anything on facebook <laughs> it's all a scam all of it every bit of it is a scam i don't care if it's an electric bike that normally costs five thousand and they're going to give you free shipping and it's only going to cost fifty dollars do not buy anything on facebook that's my advice. <laughs> All right. And I'm going to close out by actually changing my mind on something where I said, oh, don't trust anybody unless, you know, start off with not trusting anybody. Um, and I brought up Bill Joel's brother-in-law. I'm going to end on this note. We're going to get out of here because this is just awesome. So one of the guys wrote on social media recently. He said, quote, I got carded at the liquor store. And my Blockbuster card accidentally fell out. The cashier said, never mind. So the only person that can trust anybody is the liquor store guy trusting that if you actually have a Blockbuster card, you're over 21. So 
I have, yeah. have nothing better to add. So with that being said, I agree with you, Al. My name's Matt. Well, let me just say, if there's anyone oh. you can trust, let me just say, you, you had, a, you had a, 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 a comment there, and I just want to say the only people you can trust is the mob. Because if they say they're going to do something, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. It usually so involves breaking your legs. So we'll amend that by saying there's, there's only, they used to say there's only two certainties, death and taxes. Now we'll say there's three certainties, death, taxes, and mob retribution. <laughs> I had fun today. I don't know if we talked about entrepreneurialism. I'm sure some of this is related to that, but you know, Matt, I, I really enjoyed our conversation today. And I'll tell you this, if we had a podcast where all we were talking about, because we were talking about yesterday, like, okay, what, what's our topic going to be? And, you know, we could have a series of sequentially, you know, topics that build off each other. And that's important. That, that's a good podcast. But realistically, I, I guarantee there's people listening to this going, yeah, I needed this today. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I feel like I feel like we covered some really good, really good uh, information here. And like I like to say to our audience, this is not a webinar. Okay, this is a conversation between two people who have a lot of experience, have a reasonable amount of book knowledge, probably too much book knowledge, but okay, and have your best interests at heart. So you can trust us. In addition to the mob. And the people that run the matrix, you can trust us. And that's all I have to say for today. All right. Well, with that being said, we'll wrap up. We've got to see you guys next week. Uh, do you have any feedback, any topics you want us to cover? Uh, definitely let us know. Our, our contact information for each of us is inside the show notes. So with that being said, my name is Matt. And I am Al. And we'll see you later. Adios, muchachos. Arrivederci. Thank you for joining us today on the Halcyon Horn podcast. You've just taken the crucial step to finally take control of where your life is going by joining us on the road to entrepreneurship. The path to your new amazing destiny has only just begun. You're already ahead of 99% of the people around you because you're finally taking control of your life and making the choice to claim your new destiny. We'd love to help you in any way we can along your journey, so take a minute to reach out to us. You'll find our contact information in the show notes. And while you're there, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified as soon as the newest episode drops. And if you haven't yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, what are you waiting for? Don't wait. Do it now. Can't wait to meet up for our next episode, and we'll see you soon.